I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. morning, Terry. Welcome to the BU Find Happy podcast. Super excited to talk to you about things pertaining to the foundations of life and all of the incredible work that you've done uh, with the Holy Spirit. Could you share with the listeners a little bit about who you are and, and how you found your way to where you are today? Uh, yes. Um, well, I, I started off a very troubled young man. That's for sure. I came from a violently dysfunctional family. And uh, had my experience with the Lord at 23. And that connected me in, in, to my well, I was a high school dropout, stuttered real bad till I was 23. Had my experience with the Lord and, uh, and what I call that near-death experience, which it was. My entire world was redefined inside my mind at that moment. And when I woke up and realized what had happened, uh, my life was devoted to the red letters of what Jesus said in red. And I went on to become a motivational speaker, read 500 books on personal development and attitude, uh, did 2,500 corporate speeches around America and Canada, left that 20 years ago, and went into what I'm doing now, and which was my calling. And uh, when I was 46, I was called away to do a 46-day fast, which I did. And then I left the motivational field at 49, took one year off to detox from it all. And I've been devoting the last 20 years to what did Jesus say. So it's been a great experience. And so I like the idea that, you know, you're reading the words in red and kind of focusing on what the actual scripture has to say. I think part of the reason the church has gotten where it's gotten is because they've you know, migrated away from that. I know I had a lady on and we were kind of talking about how, you know, purgatory really led quite a few people away from the church. And, um, and I, and I, I have mixed feelings about all of that now, because I do really think that on some level, you know, just being good is not good enough. Um, but also the ways in which people are shamed uh, for their humanness is not great either. What are your thoughts on the way the church approaches um, approaches people and maybe why things have gotten where they've gotten in terms of the modern world? Well, that's a very good question. Um, and, and my perception with all due respect is they are, the church is totally dysfunctional and, and totally against itself. It's like our politics in America, it's no longer divided us and it antagonizes one another. Um, So the church whole concept, and I've been having to do a lot of opposition research because once I produced the book and it's it's not opinionated, I had no opinions and I made no comments, I made it just pure, what did Jesus say? I had to also study how did these churches become so divided? And how, how can so many, how can the Roman Catholic Church, the Orthodox Church, and the Protestants, how can they all mock and attack each other while they're holding the same Bible? I needed to have those answers. 
And then how can the Protestants be so divided among 30,000 plus groups around America, mock and attack each other using the same Bible? And the deeper I got into it in the, in the New Testament, I found the division. Once I found the division, then I knew if we don't come to terms with what Jesus said, we're going to really be lost because we're talking about the opinions about what Jesus said. And the opinions in our comments about what he said and the religion is totally irrelevant to what Jesus exactly said. So I think the church is totally dysfunctional on both sides. And um, I guess that's why in this calling I'm on, I know that when you find out what Jesus said to those who loved and followed him, the Holy Spirit leads you in a more loving, caring way. Good is what you do for other people, as you know, it's obviously seen. But holiness and spiritual purity is how you think and how you carry yourself while you're doing good for other people. I like that's that. That's what I you're like... talking about. That's yeah. what you're speaking about. That's right. I love how you phrased that. I love how you phrased that, the holiness. And so um, what do you think is happening in the world right now? I mean, here's my quick headline summary. Sure. Um, literally, it's utter moral debauchery and uh, Satanism is very alive. And we're seeing li the literal destruction of God's creation in terms of humans and the transhumanistic agenda, as well as the transgender agenda, um, you know, et cetera, et cetera. What are your thoughts on that? I know it's a taboo topic. No, well, not to me, because it's something that we have to have the courage to talk about. It is, it is to put it into simplest terms, the battle of good and evil and light and dark. Now, what we're seeing in our time is nothing compared to what Caligula went through in Rome, right? So I guess everything is relative. Uh, our, our, our destruction we're seeing is not as, as evil and ugly as we've seen before, but it's on the, on the crust that's heading into that direction. And so now our battle is so among ourselves, we're divided up in groups. That's the battle of good and evil and light and dark. Separation, the way you conquer is divide. Where Jesus speaks about unity, and he also says that they, a home and a, and a kingdom and a city divided falls, collapses against itself. And that's what's happening all the way around. And so do you think that what we are going to be coming into is going to get worse. Do you think that there's going to be a rapture? Do you think, you know, like the, uh, okay, in terms yeah. of revelations and topics right. like this, I mean, do you think that we're okay. going to continue to see the downfall? Or are we going to pull it together and well, have more know, generations before uh, things uh, get? Accord, uh, according to the scripture, Jesus said that, that uh, God will intervene before it's all destroyed, whatever that means. How long does it take? Whoever knows. It's not fair to talk about the rapture because that's a religious opinion. There's nothing that Jesus said about the rapture whatsoever. This is what I was curious about because I had this conversation with somebody just a few days ago right. on whether there would be a rapture and whether there would not. There is a lot of opinion about that. that it's, it's all opinions because Jesus in his words, when we got, you know, one of the things I like about this book, I was guided by the Holy Spirit to do the book in a certain order. So uh, message one is called the Christ. Jesus said, I came from heaven uh, to speak and I'll return to heaven. So therefore, we should give him that kind of a credibility edge. So when he speaks about the end time, he said uh, that uh, the spirit's going to come and remove all the evil and bind it up and take it away. We're going to remove the good. Who's going to remove the evil and separate? That's what it says. That's what Jesus said, right? And so, 
the pre-trib is, is now in, in, in combat with the post-trib. And so it just shows you when there's so much conflict that nobody knows. Nobody right. knows that they know that they know. But Jesus said, you'll never know when it's happening. Only my father in heaven knows. And then he gives us instructions to live lovingly, accordingly, in full speed of life. So when it comes, it finds us ready. But we're not supposed to sit down on our couch of discontent, wishing and hoping there's going to be a great rapture and we get to go. So we become sarcastic because we bought some religious opinion that says we get to be sinful on earth and we're going to go to heaven and have steak with Jesus uh, seconds after we die. I mean, this is all a figment of one's imagination. Right, right. And so we're so more than likely we will experience some of these tribulations. Well, we are we are experiencing them in many ways now from weather uh, to violence to what you mentioned, the trans. I can't even wrap my mind around the male female controversies going on now. It's embarrassing. It's totally, totally embarrassing. And when you let a man say he's a woman and go on a swimming team against the women who devoted their life, that's sinful. That should be illegal. That shows you the depth of the corruption that goes on. I'm 71, and so I've seen it happen. My mother was impressed with the microwave, so therefore we're, right. we're way past that. And, uh, the, whole, the whole gay movement began slowly with, well, as long as I don't have to watch it, it's okay. As long as I'm not having to subject to it, it's okay. And now it's part of our everyday rule of thumb. Right. Right. What do you think about, uh, you know, as, as you're talking, I'm thinking about the various different books that have been left right. out as somebody who's reading the red words. Right. Right. What do you think about that? The, the word, the, the, all of the books that were left out, you know, coming from the Dead Sea Scrolls to becoming a King's yeah. James Catholicized, right. you know, Catholicized yeah. version. What are your thoughts right. on that? Well, obviously, um, you know, I'm familiar with the, um, uh, Dead Sea Scrolls. I, I'm familiar with the Book of Enoch that they took out. Um, I'm familiar with the, the uh, added books that the Catholic has in it. I'm familiar with the controversy right up to the fourth century where they wasn't really agreeing on the books. And there was a great controversy on whether Paul should even be in it whatsoever. And so, but I do know that when it, whatever happened to Constantine, according to the story, and they decided to start the Roman Catholic Church, they they started it with great intensity. They they completed the Bible, and then they changed the the, the Sabbath to Sunday. They added Easter for Christmas, and then they excommunicated or killed whoever disagreed. Now that's, that's right. history. If you go back and look at the history, I'm not making it up. And then no, for the right. next. And then for the next six, seven hundred years, they conquered every known church in that time and took the artifacts and took it back to what is now called Rome, Roman Catholic Church in the archives of that. Now, when the when the Orthodox split around, I think, uh, 1100, that was the first split. But then when the Protestants split, I mean, it wasn't even meant to be split that way. So I am totally after I found out what was going on, I can really see why Jesus said not everybody who calls me Lord, Lord is going to go to heaven. And so when you think about the fact that without the four Gospels, I mean, the Bible couldn't even be written. We wouldn't have one. We wouldn't have a New Testament without what Jesus said. And Enoch covered the book of Revelation even better. So therefore, if it wasn't for what Jesus said, we wouldn't even be able to contain a, a Bible. So I just don't buy into the, the whole story anymore. 
where you have to blanketly believe in something or you're sinful and going to go to hell. That is really bad stuff. A um, couple of thoughts, a couple of thoughts. Do you think Jesus really was perfect, that he lived a perfect life? Well, let's talk about what does that mean? I tell you, what Jesus said, according to his words, he said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. I looked up the word. It meant be mature. Okay, that's what it meant. When they called Jesus good, Jesus says, nobody is good but God. So therefore, I'm not going to get into the great debate because it's nonsense. It doesn't matter. It doesn't make any sense. If he was perfect, so be it. But perfect means mature and mature. And then he said, be like him. It's what we're adding to what he didn't say. It's what we're adding to what he didn't teach. And so that's why we have so many divisions over the same book. But what makes our book have any credibility? Only four Gospels. Because the rest of it you could get in the Old Testament. And so once I got into the New Testament, how'd this all come together? And I look forward to sitting down with any Bible scholar, whoever wants to, because I've, I've watched the Bible scholar for the Catholics, the Bible scholar for the Orthodox, and the Bible scholars divided up among the Protestants. I've watched them in their YouTube debates and channels, literally mocking and attacking each other for their ignorance and foolishness, while each one is proclaiming to be filled with the Holy Spirit with superior knowledge, just like Paul did when he, uh, uh, you know, jumped on Apostle Peter behind his back in Galatians. Everything's relative. <laughs> and so I think that's a great way to look at it. It's, it means mature. And so was he yeah. perfect? I don't know. Was he perfect? That's that maybe what, that's well, not the question we should be mean? asking. Yeah. Right, yeah. right. Yeah. I mean, and what's perfect? What's perfect though? Without flaw? Okay. Well, I don't know. If, he, if we did the fasting he did, if we did the meditation, and if he was true to God the way he was, maybe we would strike up on that. I don't know. But I don't think the word perfect is a proper word to describe anything. I think right. And a translation might be confused. Um, so the Old Testament, you know, they often had more than one wife. And here we're supposed to be, you know, monogamous. I, I'm a couples therapist. So, um, okay, there you go. And, and so, and I'm also in my doctorate studies for clinical sexology. There's a lot of talks on this polyamory. My personal beliefs, which is not how I show up with my clients, but my personal beliefs is that it creates a lot of problems. It creates a lot of problems. And people try to write it off. Well, you just got to get over your jealousy or you just got to not be jealous. But the way that I see it is, that, dy that dyad, that dynamic, it does not work out. And, um, and you know, people could make the same claim for monogamy, but I'm just curious because this is something that people say to me a lot when they argue um, anything religious related is, well, how do you explain that Jesus had multiple wives or that they had multiple wives in the Old Testament? And um, I don't really have a good answer for that. But my quick answer is that look at how it worked for everybody. Uh, the wives were under great authority of the husband. He owned them, more or less, in many ways. Uh, so I don't know that being the second or the third or whatever is, is advantageous. And 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 in the Mormons that, that you know wasn't too long ago in our lifetime, they had multiple wives. It didn't work out for a lot of them either. And so when you look at the women that are produced in this environment, they're very brow whipped. You know, they're very conditioned. I mean, we're talking from day one. So I don't have much respect for any of that kind of dialogue. But when I go back to this with someone 
like what triggered in my mind was the story of Abraham and Sarah and the second wife. Well, Sarah kicked the second wife to the curb. Yep. Run her right out in the desert with nothing. I mean, yep. nada, nothing. Mm, yep. And and out of that bloodline, we have Islam, mm, as a matter of fact, yeah, if you want to yeah. get right down to it. Right. So, <laughs> that that was Lot, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I so I think we got to see all the way through some of it. But once Jesus came on the scene, if you if you believe he existed or you have any kind of heavenly spiritual experience that he existed if that doesn't change your consciousness to figure out what he said to want to truly be what he said then you're not connecting with jesus and the holy spirit whatsoever well so i ask all this to say this you know my mom's theory is that while they were trying to populate the earth my theory is that jesus was sent and the second and the new testament exists because they were engaging almost identically to exactly what we're doing today and so there is, there is to be a reckoning. And, and I think that's yeah. what happened then. I think Satan started infiltrating and that's what was going on, which was why he sent Jesus. They were also very barbaric as well. Absolutely. But look at what, you know, it's like, if you just listen to what, if, if you read what Jesus said now in my book, I talk about what he said to those who loved and followed him, but there's, and I, and I give where you go to, to find in the scripture where this, this is at. But the other stories, if you take him into the desert for 40 days and he gets done with that, if you take him into the garden of Gethsemane where he asks God three times, can he get out of going to the cross? I mean, he didn't want to go to the cross. I think I loved, I think I had more respect for Jesus that day when I read over and over, he did not want to go, but he yielded in loving obedience to his father. And the moment he decided to do it, his attitude was to embrace that experience. Now, when it was all said and done, he uh, had the resurrection and I go to Matthew gospel because he was one of the apostles. I go to John's gospel because he's one of the apostles. Mark wrote for Peter. Luke wrote predominantly influenced by Paul. So we know Matthew and John were there as witnesses. Witnesses are important. And in the ending of Matthew, Jesus said, all authority and power has been given to me. Go make disciples of all nations, teaching them what I taught you, which is Gentiles. If we just stay true to that, we're going to walk in love, light, and truth. And when you walk in love, light, and truth, no matter what's happening around you, it will not infect you within you. The battle of good and evil and light and dark is going on in full speed. And it's best to acknowledge it without participating in it. And the best way to not participate in it is to walk in love, light, and truth. And you'll find all that based on what Jesus said in red. So there you go. <laughs> And so on that, how do you feel about Easter, Christmas, the day of Sabbath? How do you feel about all that? Well, first of all, I uh, got into Easter story, meaning I got into, once I did the book, you know, when you're self-educated, you're, you are not prejudiced in many ways. Uh, a lot of people carry a lot of degrees. I respect that. And you learn what other people taught. And sometimes you come to your new conclusions. But if you're self-educated, you sort of study outside the box. And so once I did outside the box research, I could no longer pay attention to Sunday. Not the way the Catholics do and not the way that the Protestants do or the Orthodox, because I found the Saturday Sabbath is the seventh day. And I find that to be a loving moment to take my mind off of everything. 
Sunday becomes a work day for me in my business. So I, I consider everybody who goes to church on Sunday does so because it fits into their business model of everyday week, not their spiritual model. And at Easter and Christmas, they're, they're, that's the only days that churches are overflowing. That's a guilt complex yeah. right yeah. there. Okay. Yeah. And outside yeah. of that, it, it's, it's a mockery of the whole concept. And the Roman Catholic Church started it and the Protestants are following in suit and they all hate each other. I mean, the Protestants say that the Pope is the Antichrist and the Catholic Church is the big church that falls away in, in Book of Revelation. And the Orthodox Church says that the Protestants and the Catholics are both misleading. So how can you even believe these people know what they're saying? Right. I, uh, you know, I used to be huge into Christmas and Easter in the last two years. Nope, not doing it. I'm not doing it. When I found out that the Christmas tree is actually pagan, I was yeah. like, okay, well, that's over. You know, I yeah. mean, even if you look at the roots of Santa Claus, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. And the Easter egg and the and the and the, yep. the bunny yep. and and it's, yep. it's just it's a mockery and the gullibility of mass, the mass yep. Christian about the mass is what reminds me of Jesus saying, "Many are called, but few chosen." Yeah, I'm not. I'm not. It is. It is. And I'm not playing anymore. I'm not going to do it. I'm not buying into it. You know what I mean? I I just think that uh, I think that it's all intended to keep us distracted. Um, And that's how we got where we are, which is not great. So let's talk about some of the things you mentioned real quickly. Oh, go ahead before we switch. Okay, before we switch, let's just agree on this. Let's don't give in to the fear of what we don't know, the fear of what we see that's happening, because F-E-A-R is like false emotions appearing real. And so we need to be emotionally mature. F-E-A-R is false education appearing real. So many people are sincerely wrong, acting like they're wise and brilliant. We have to maintain our individuality to, to work our way into the crowd, as a matter of fact. But we can't be the crowd. Just can't be the crowd. Oh. Um, absolutely. Right now, if you're a part of the crowd, you're, you're on a path that's probably not going to end very well. No, no, it's uh, not going yeah. well either. You're in the crowd that, that thinks you're going to get even with somebody else. That's right. Right. So, so some of the things that we, uh, you know, have learned about over the years, the Holy Grail, uh, the right. fountain of youth, Noah's Ark. What do you think about some of these kind of more, you know, we'll call them tangible things? Do you think they they still exist on Earth? Do you think pieces of them have been found? Do you think that, uh, what are your thoughts on these? I don't give it, I I don't give it much of my active life anymore because those are adventures you could spend the rest of your life on. And um, and by the time I left the motivational field and I went through 500 books and seen a lot of things and lived in a lot of nice places, um, I found a more simple way to enjoy my life. And that's what I do now. And um, and so whether it's Noah's Ark or, or any of the I like to watch the ancient aliens on TV sometimes. OK, I think that that is just a phenomenal show of what goes on around the world. And I'm more I'm more interested to watch that show than I am to turn anything into a specific journey or adventure because I like what I, I love what I'm doing. 
and I love where I'm at in life, where I live. And I'm going to live here doing what I'm doing until I die. And I just hope to live long. <laughs> but I don't, I, love, I don't waste time in that anymore. I love that. Um, I think that people do get caught up in it. I think there is some fun to be had with the idea. Yeah. My parents actually just went and saw the Noah's Ark replica. And right. th there's actually quite a bit in terms of how it actually worked. It was brilliant. I'm how sure. it yeah. functioned yeah. and how it was created. And I, I mean, I think that's really fascinating. You know, now, something I, would, I was thinking. I would go see that. I would go see that if I was within range of it. So I would see anything I came within range to, to look at it as a research. I just wouldn't devote my life to trying to come up with an answer. Trying to find it. Right. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, something I was thinking about the other day that struck me was that, you know, God's promise to Noah that he would not flood the earth again was the rainbow. It's ironic, <laughs> isn't it? That that is the symbol. Yeah. I find that fascinating. It struck me the other day. I was like, oh my gosh, they hijacked the freaking rainbow. Well, you know, that's what it's all about, though, when you really think about it. It's like the Satan Bible, I'm told, is, is printed from the back to the front, where ours is from the front to the back. Uh, the Satan cross is upside down. Uh, it's just a mockery. Personally, we give it power by acknowledging it in that way. Um, God said it about the rainbow. I'm not surprised that, that it becomes the, the flag for the... Um, not even as just for gay now, there's a whole variety of alphabet orders in that. Um, and it just shows uh, mockeries like Sodom and Gomorrah. And I say this with respect for all human beings, you know, we're all gonna pay the price for what we become. Now the price may be a reward. I don't know, are we all gonna be rewarded for how we lived our life? But when you think about Sodom and Gomorrah and the stories that went on that we can read about, then we're breathing in on that environment right now. So it's wow around the world now, not America, just not just America. America has different freedoms to allow it to happen. So it's open season now, you know, when you can cuss on TV, when your language can be, when the politics, when the political force can become colorful in their vocabulary. And unfortunately, I think Trump started that one. Uh, then once we can start it in our vocabulary, where does it ever stop? Right, right. And so how do you think people can, you know, get right, protect themselves? What do you think people need to do? And, and in, your, in your honest assessment from reading the red, where, what do you think is, the, uh, is our outlook? Well, let me try to answer it with a reasonable perspective. As I said to you, I went to your website. I read your story. You have a very multidimensional story. You have a whole collage of experiences. But you, as an individual, made those choices along the way. So you have become who you are. So your decisions mold you even now and refine you. We all must embrace that. Let's take it like we find it, make it like we want it. And if we're Christian, we need to find out what Jesus said and stop the religiosity about it. I'm told one of the beautiful things about this book and how we're formatting it now to be uh, received around the world is that when you read the book, you don't think about me. You only think about what Jesus said. 
Now, if you think about what Jesus said, the Holy Spirit would just pick you, pick you up and mold you right then and there. But if you take issue with what Jesus said, you have a combat within yourself. Now the battle of good and evil is within you. And, and as soon as you moment that, what we don't conquer in our mind, we got to serve in our life. And so if we understand what Jesus said about loving God and love our, with all our heart, soul, and mind and love our neighbor as ourself, that's, that's the beginning of the tsunami of love, light, and truth. Now, what does it take to wake that up? I don't know. But I think individually, we better start lighting our candles individually and be the light that Jesus said for us to be. So how do we get it? Well, someone sent me a testimony the other day from Jamaica, of all places where I'm at. And she sent me in the testimony and said, the book that I got from you was so simple and so profound. It increased my walk with Jesus. The Bible is so difficult to understand, she said, mm, and mm -hmm. so complex. But your book was so simple. So when I get book reviews from around the world, Slovenia, um, parts of Africa, I mean, just parts of the world, and they, and they talk about the preciousness of the simplicity of it, that's, that's what we need. We need to get to the simplicity of love, light, and truth. So. I think that's beautiful. And this is a great time to plug the book. And listeners know that we always include all the links in the show notes. The book is What Did Jesus Say? And it's an extension of the original, What Would Jesus Do? You share a little bit about that? Yes. Well, when you do the research on the book, What Would Jesus Do? WWJD, it, it, it came out in the late 1800s. And, and it was written on as, as a sermon, a series of sermons. Uh, what would Jesus do in these certain scenarios? And the man put the book together and released it. And he didn't copyright it. So the uh, and it was originally called In His Steps. And then it matured to WWJD, What Would Jesus Do? Now there's 50 million copies of it around the world. And the question has become almost a mockery. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? Well, you don't know what Jesus would do if you don't know what he said. But if you know what he said to do, you know what he's going to do because he was congruent. So if he says, you know, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you, that pretty much size it up. You know, if you're going to pray, he said, pray believing. But if you're going to pray, you better forgive because if you haven't forgiven, God won't forgive you and your prayer won't be answered. Uh, that's pretty instructional. Uh, you know, I am, I am really excited about the idea that we could simplify things, right? I mean, I think that's well, uh, so <laughs> what you and I were talking about a little yeah, bit before so, we hit record. So imagine, that's, it. that's it. So imagine if we could. So here's what I'm doing right this moment in June. I just finally returned to the place I, I lived for five years. I had to leave a year ago. I'm now back in here. I'm going to be where I'm going to stay the rest of my life. I just reserved the name walking with Jesus dot world and that will now be uh, my website that I'm refining like I said I love yours it put all my stuff there and then it'll link you to what did Jesus say dot world and right there every trouble every financially troubled person in the world who has a a phone a computer a tablet I give them a free code Jesus said right there and they can download the ebook and audiobook for free and if you're not financially pressed, then you can buy one. Now, if you're financially healthy, you can hit the button called Project Help and make a donation to the ministry dedicated to helping everyone in the world understand the simplicity 
of what did Jesus say. And once you know what he said, it convicts you because the Holy Spirit owns you right then and there. Until that, you don't know what Jesus said. You're not bound. You're only bound by what other people say to do. That's why the Baptists are so bound against the Pentecostal. Pentecostals so bound against the Baptists and they're carrying the same Bible. That's what I mean by that nonsense. Love that so much. And and so what's the best place for people to go to find out more about you and, and what you're doing there? Well, if you just go to the, um, well, let's see, let me give you the one. If you go to whatdidjesussay.world, you will find the whole story about the book and myself. If you go to foundations for life, three words, foundationsforlife.org, that's my ministry page. And that talks about all the stuff I'm doing that'll be relabeled this month called Walking with Jesus. I used to do the program called Walking with the Master. And where I'm at, I did a sunrise message and a sunset message because I'm at a piece of property in Jamaica where I see a beautiful sunrise on one side and a beautiful sunset on the other. So it gives me a great environment to do the film. And I, it was called Walking with the Master. But now that we're starting our world campaign, I didn't want the walking with the master to be misunderstood by anybody in India or any other or Pakistan or any other parts of the world where the word master may mean something else. So walking with Jesus dot world is a meaningful specific. Love so, it. Love so it. Everything goes forward. And I just am so honored to know that it's matured, as you said about your own website. I've matured in this as you matured in your journey. The last two years, I've become more serious. The only way I'm going to help the world from America on is, is get them to read what did Jesus say and to make it as easy for them to read it because I'm not giving you any opinions or comments from me. So you can't take issue with me. Take issue with Jesus. <laughs> take it up with him. <laughs> and, you, and you might find out that, that your church and, and, and your denomination and your personality-driven minister is not doing what Jesus said either. Right, right. And, and more than likely, for sure. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your insights. And we, as always, will include all the show notes, have the links, guys. And make sure you check out if you've been wanting to know Jesus and understand more uh, his words directly. This is the place. Thanks so much for coming on today. Thank you for having me. Take care. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.